Hi, everybody. Mark Lawrence for the Against the Spread podcast, along with Victor King, as we go against the spread on this week's college and pro football card. And Victor, if the National Football League is anything in week three, like it's been in weeks number one and two, we better put our seatbelts on. And college football was pretty good as well last week. You're absolutely right. You know, we've been going very, very lightly with our college football over under selections. In fact, about one every Saturday. And again, we got lucky for the third week in a row. Last week, our play was on over the total in the Sunbelt game, Troy State versus Appalachian State. You saw what happened at the end of that game, a Hail Mary by the Mountaineers. Now, the game officially went over that with the safety that occurred at the two-minute warning. But still, that Appalachian State team has delivered plenty of exciting results thus far, whether we're talking about the uh, 60-plus point game against North Carolina in week one, the upset road win against Texas A&M in week two, or last week's come-from-behind Hail Mary winner against Troy. Uh, so 4-1 and one to start the year in college football over-under selections, going very lightly. We're very pleased with that. And for the second week in a row, it was once again our canines who bailed us out with the totals tip sheet. First off, our canine monkey, also known as Isabella. And there you have her play last week under the total in that Saints and the, uh, wait a minute, here we go. Here it is, Buccaneers Saints under the total. There you go. That's her ninth straight winner dating back to last season all unders well, and of course we got to talk about king's best friend and that would be our boy tuco and once again tuco hit his team total there it is over the total san francisco 49ers in their home game against seattle and this one was looking really good for us 20 points for san francisco at the half now it got a little chippy in the second half and in fact san francisco didn't go over their team total until less than two minutes were left in the game on a fourth and one from the one-yard line. But Tuco has had many of these games that he's delivered in the last two minutes, and he did it again. So, again, the doggies bailed us out once again with the totals tip sheet. But let's talk about college football for a minute. I'm sure you have some observations from last week's play. Well, I do, Victor. There weren't all that many major upsets on the college football card last week. In fact, it was rather chalky, especially from the big side of the chalk aspect. But the one thing that jumped out to me was that wild and weird finish in the Purdue-Syracuse football game. And it doesn't get any wackier than that. Imagine you're Purdue. You've got a 29-25 lead with under a minute to go. You get two unsportsmanlike penalties it puts the makes Purdue kick off on the 10-yard line. Syracuse takes the kick. They scored with two more unsportsmanlike penalties against Purdue. And the Orange ended up kicking off after their score from the Purdue 35-yard line. Purdue stood no chance. And for that, I think Jeff Brom should be sent to the corner and stand in the corner this week for college <laughs> football and not coach a football game. Uh, I definitely like that. A couple of my observations. First off, Mark, this is a list of seven colleges in the NCAA. And just off the top of your head, what comes to mind first? These seven colleges are Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Syracuse, UCLA, Indiana. Basketball. Right. These are seven teams that could possibly make maybe the Elite Eight in a given year in the NCAA basketball tournament. Guess what? All seven of those teams are 3-0 and to start the year wow. in college football. There you go. Wow, wow. And, and obviously the story has to be Kansas with Leopold as their coach. He did a great job with Buffalo. They're already over their team total for the season with three victories. Their team total was two and a half. So first off, my number one observation was that list of what I thought were basketball schools that were actually three and all college football teams. You mentioned the chalky week last week in college football, and you got that right. In fact, I've got the numbers. The favorites went 28-21 against the spread. Home favorites even better at 21-14. and 14. But here is the weird part. The huge favorites, the really big chalky plays, 
The college football teams that were favored by 25 or more points last week went nine and one against the spread. Wow. We're talking all the major programs, your Alabamas, your Ohio States, your Minnesotas, so on, so forth. 25 point favorites went nine and one against the point spread. It was probably the one true week where if you are a big, big time chalky player that you definitely covered the point spread and had a good Saturday. My final observation, and I know I kind of bad-mouthed them last week, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Well, guess what? They did cover the point spread against Nevada. They won 27-0. to Good for you, Hawkeyes. But my observation is I'm looking at their over-under line for this week's uh, conference game against Rutgers. It opened at 35. It's down to 34. It's the lowest college football over-under line I've seen in seven years. Wow. It's even lower than a line you might get in one of those military versus military games, Army versus Navy, Army versus Air Force, Air Force versus Navy, in which the over-under line is like 37 to 40 points, and that's considered low. Guess what? Iowa Rutgers over-under line, 34 points this week. Wow. Well, you know, uh, there's a, a good old friend of mine. His name was Southern Comfort, Victor, and he was really, really astute football player. Him and Billy Walters were the best of friends. They would share knowledge. In fact, they would trade plays back and forth and so forth and whatnot. And he passed along to me uh, in games involving high spreads in football games are low totals with high spreads. Okay. And much like, much like the Iowa Rutgers football game, what is Iowa favored by as we're, as we're sitting here speaking, doing the show right now? Do you recall? Uh, they are a 20 point or more favorite. Okay, well, there you go. That ties perfectly into what I was going to say here. You've got a total on a football game less than 40, and the spread is minus 20 or more. What you do is you simply back the dog and the over in that football game. Because if your football team, your dog scores one time, you're not going to lose both plays. So you look at Rutgers here. If Rutgers scores seven points in this football game, what's the total, 34 points? It's very, very good chance that uh, – Iowa is going to have to really overproduce to get this total, not to go over the total. Mark, I made one mistake on that real quick. I assumed Iowa was the home team. They're not. They're okay. actually on the road. So they're only laying seven and a half to eight. Did he mention anything about that scenario? No, nothing there. It has to be a big total 20 or more. I mean, a spread of 20 or more and a total of 35 or less. So remember and that, that makes sense, yeah. Remember that down the road when those, when those kind of plays uh, do happen to appear. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. I'm visiting with Victor King from King Creole Sports. We're going over the football card last week. And, Victor, let's say we hop over to the National Football League side of things where it couldn't have been any more wild than it was last week on the football card. I'll tell you what jumped out to me. But first of all, i got to ask you what jumped out to you on the National Football League week number two card. Well, I've got to get into uh, my lane here, and that's over-unders and the fact that it was the second low-scoring week in a row to start the season. Uh, after week one went 5-11 and 11 over-under, last week's games, five overs, 11 unders, one tie. That kind of depends what your over-under line was in that Raiders-Cardinals game. There was some 52s out there. There was some 52-and-a-halves. The game finished 29 to 23. Regardless, we're still at 10 overs, 21 unders, one tie on the season. 68% of all games have gone under the total. Uh, only 42.8 points per game is the current average in the NFL mm -hmm. after two weeks. And folks, that's low. Last season, the overall was 46.0. So the games are down more than three points per game. Now, it's a small sample size. It's only two weeks, but under betters are definitely cleaning up after two weeks. That was my number one observation. It was a good week for dogs. You may have something to say about that. The underdogs went 9-5-1 and one against the spread. There was one game that was a pick em last week. That was Detroit and Washington. Underdogs in the NFL now at 17, 13, and one for the season, right around 57%. Well, I got to say this, Victor. When it's going good, we like to talk about it. When it's going bad, we tend to want to bury our head in the sand and not even mention it. But I have to mention this. As good as the underdogs were last week, 
I was absolutely miserable because I did not capitalize on an NFL football card where the dogs were barking long and loud. I left every winning dog at home, and the plays that I did take out did not show up. It was that kind of a week for yours, truly. But nonetheless, you keep piling up those dogs in the NFL football card each and every week, and we'll take advantage of it. You can rest assured of that. What did jump out to me on the football card in the NFL last week, Victor, came from our good friend Steve Crabb, also known as the Texas Tornado down in Dallas, Texas. And he reminds us each and every week on the show, it's getting to be about that time where you want to look every week at the or the NFL football team that was embarrassed the most on the football card the previous week. Red-faced embarrassed, they tend to dig down deep the following week and make amends. Well, I've got a list about a mile long from last week's NFL football card. I've never seen games where teams were more embarrassed with lopsided or crazy finishes in my life than I did last week. You can start out with the Cleveland Browns, who blew a 13-point lead in the final minute and a half against the Jets. You go on to the Ravens, who blew a 21-fourth-quarter lead. Teams that had a 21-point lead in the fourth quarter were 771 wins in a row until Baltimore blew that. you got the Colts, who were shut out for the third time in their last six years against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's absolutely Unbelievable that they'd be shut out that many times against Jacksonville. The Raiders up 22 to nothing at the half go brain dead in the fourth quarter and lose the football game. Then you've got the Titans on Monday night. They were had their drawers blown off by the Buffalo Bills in a football game. The Cincinnati Bengals, you take a look at them. They lost again, a defending Super Bowl losing team, just playing pathetic. They're not giving Joe Burrow any time or pass protection at all. Go back and look. The last five games for the Cincinnati Bengals have all been three points. Three, been decided by three points by the Cincinnati Bengals here. They've got to get their act together. And I didn't even mention, Victor, the Denver Bronco fans who were booing the football team, and specifically uh, Nathaniel Hackett, their head coach, because he was letting the clock go. He wasn't managing the game. They're counting down the clock so the football team could realize how much time was left. They blew all of their timeouts. They had seven and a half minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, and they were out of timeouts. There's no excuse for that. I mean, it was absolutely the wildest, weirdest, embarrassing week for football teams. That's what I observed. Now, staying true with what the Texas Tornado tells us, Victor, who would you nominate out of that list, or if there's one that I did mention, for the team that you feel was embarrassed the most last week? I would have to agree with Steve on this one, the Indianapolis Colts. Now, first off, we know that they've had problems playing in Jacksonville. It's been their bugaboo site for going on a decade now. That's understandable. We also know that this is a team that their M.O. over the last four or five years has been. They struggle in the first half of the year, but they really ratcheted up in the second half of the season. With that said, still, only I mean, they got shut out on the road. They only had 54 yards of rushing offense. Jacksonville took their best asset, Jonathan Taylor, and they took him out of the game. Matt Ryan only passed for 164 yards. They had a league-worst 218 total offensive yards, losing 24-0. to In this case, I agree with Steve, our Texas Tornado buddy. Well, that's one of the reasons we did happen to make the Indianapolis Colts a five-star best bet in this week's Playbook Football Newsletter because of the handicap in the game this week and the fact that they, true, indeed were the most embarrassed team in the National Football League last week. Hey, don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to talk about our college football game of the week. We're not going anywhere because we're not doing any radio spots on this show anymore. I'm used to doing that from years past, but we're doing video right now for our Against the Spread podcast. So, Victor, let's do it. Let's move over to our college football game of the week. And we've got a really good football game in on tap in the ACC when the Clemson Tigers traveled a is it Winston-Salem to take on North or Wake Forest, I should say, in this big ACC showdown? How do you see the Tigers and the Deacon Demons shaking it out this Saturday, Victor? Before I get to that real quick, you do mention the fact that we're kind of transitioning here, Mark. So we got to take our hats off to Greg as we make that transition from an audio-only podcast. And he kind of gets us into the new millennium here with a audio video podcast that you can view on YouTube. So again, bear with us during our first month. But again, Greg has done a fantastic job with us here in just a couple of weeks here. And we thank him very, very much. And I'm sure 
Mark uh, definitely agrees with me on that one. Um, so let's get into this game. It's a 12 o'clock noon Eastern tip. Uh, first pitch, first pitch. Kickoff. <laughs> there we go. Kickoff. We are still in baseball season. And you know, in fact, this is the only battle this week in college football in which both teams are 3-0 and on the season. So it was a good job picking this one for a game of the week. Clemson, about a seven-point road favorite in this game. The over-under line opened at 57. It's now down to about 55 as we speak. And I'm going to take a look at this game possibly going over that total. I think there's a few points of value on the over in regards to the line. First off, the weather down there is going to be absolutely perfect. This is an ABC TV nationally televised game. We're talking temperatures in the high 60s, low 70s, very low winds, no precipitation, five, five mile an hour or less in terms of the uh, winds. So it's going to be an ideal setting for what could be a ACC shootout. Now, Clemson is one and two over under on the season. Their average points combined 55.3. Wake Forest two and one on the season. Average points 65.6. For the Demon Deacons. In last year's meeting, Clemson was a 17 and a half point home favorite. The over-under was similar, right at 57. And the final score was Clemson 48, Wake 27. The game did end up going over the total by 18 points. Clemson had over 500 offensive yards. Wake had over 400 offensive yards. I really don't see uh, any reason that that won't occur again this particular week, 900 or more offensive yards. Uh, obviously, some of the numbers are skewed thus far. Understandable. It's been a soft schedule for both teams. So this is the first true barometer game uh, for both of them. Uh, last year's Clemson offense, it, it was a disaster. You know, they went from a three-year scoring average of more than 40 points per game to only 26 points per game in 2021. They've already made big strides in 2022. Thanks to quarterback uh, DJ uh, Uyan Galele. I think I said that right. Uyan Galele. That's I, I wouldn't challenge you on that, Victor. I won't challenge you on that. <laughs> Thank you. You know, he was a preseason 2021 Heisman candidate who completely fizzled out last year. But in 2022, He's led the Tigers to 48, 41, and 35 points in their three games. And meanwhile, you know, if Clemson has any sort of a uh, Achilles heel on defense, it's obviously in defending the pass. And that plays right into Wake Forest's strength on offense. And we're very, very happy that we see Demon Deacon quarterback Sam Hartman back in the fold. You know, he missed the first game of the year with a medical condition. But in the two games he has started, he's got a quarterback rating of 163.0. He's passed for 625 yards. And both games ended up going over the total, over by nine against Liberty last week, over by six against Vanderbilt. The Demon Deacons were a 40-plus points per game offense in 2021 with Hartman at the helm. And again, they've already scored 44, 45, and 37 this year. With that said, Mark, the implied score based on the point spread and the over-under line is Clemson 31, Wake 24. And our database models, they point to a slightly higher outcome than that implied score. Something closer to Clemson 37, Wake Forest 27, Either way, we think we're getting about a touchdown of value, and we will be watching and winning as this game goes over the total. Saturday, 12 noon, kickoff. Victor likes a lot of points in this Clemson-Wake Forest football game on Saturday when the Tigers travel to Wake Forest to take on the Deacon Demons. I'm going to talk about the Clemson Tigers to open up my portion of the segment here. And you take a look at this football program. I know a lot of people dissed Clemson last year, Victor, because it appeared for all intents and purposes they were not the Clemson football team that we've all come to know and admire here in the past five years or so. But they still won 10 football games last year. And in fact, they've won 10 or more games 11 years in a row right now. Only Alabama can say that, and only Alabama has more wins over that same period of time. 
They've also beat Wake Forest 13 times in a row in this series. They beat them like a drum has Clemson. And this point spread here is going to be the lowest point spread that they've seen inside those 13 years of drubbings here. You take a look at Clemson here. The last three times in this series that they've been favored by single digits, they won and covered every football game. For Wake Forest, you mentioned Sam Hartman's back. That's really good news for the Demons because last year he led them to the ACC championship game against Pittsburgh. Now, I think that'll end up being motivation for Clemson, noting that they were not in that football game, and it was Wake Forest instead who took their place. This is a big step-up game for the Deacon Demons here. I know they're the defending Coastal or the champions of their division, but they still have to knock off Clemson to be able to retain that the rights to say just that. In a step-up game like this, I don't see them making it here. Dabo Swinney, in his career in ACC conference games, is 98-20 and 20, with only 47 point spread losses in those games. And in fact, while we're talking about laying single digits, Dabo Swinney in the ACC, when he's had to lay less than 10 points, he's gone 19 and 10 to the spread, including a perfect 4-0 straight up at ATS last year as a single-digit ACC favorite. I'm going to lean to the Clemson Tigers in this football game and see if they don't remain king of the hill in the ACC, especially between these two football teams. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. I'm visiting with Victor King from King Creole Sports as we go against the college and pro football cards this week. Victor, what do you say we hop over to the National Football League side of things? And we've got a matchup here of two teams that I outlined earlier on in the show that were on the list of the most embarrassed football teams last week. So you say, why would we on earth, would we want to tear apart an National Football League game between two teams that were red-faced and embarrassed? My answer is because both of these teams were playoff teams last year. So one of them is going to fall to 0-3, and guess what? Since 1990, there have been 157 teams that started the season 0-3, and only four of them made the playoffs. So you can kiss you-know-who goodbye who doesn't win this football game if they fall to 0-3 in the contest. And with that set up, Victor, I'm going to hand it off to you for your over-under take in this contest. The game open picked them, and we're seeing that Las Vegas is now a slight road favorite. About two points the last time I looked uh, in Nashville against the Tennessee Titans. Even more important for me is the fact that the over-under line opened at 48, and it looks like that first initial push or sharp move based on what happened on Monday night is toward the under. We're currently down to 45 and a half, so the line has already fallen two to three points, and we're getting very, very close to that key number range in the NFL of either 44 or 45 points. In fact, I did do the research over the last two seasons in the NFL in terms of the over-under number, the number that comes up the most or the most popular key number in the NFL is 44. More games have fallen exactly on 44 than any other total in the NFL. So that's something to always keep in the back of your head as you handicap your over-unders, the fact that 44 and then down the road, 45 are both key numbers. On the year, we've got the Raiders either 0-1-1 over-under or 0-2 over-under. And again, that kind of depends on what your line was in that Raiders-Cardinals overtime game in week two. The Titans 1-1 over-under. They went under against ten, uh, ten, uh, New York Giants in week one, and they went over, but by only one point in that Monday night game against the Bills. No thanks to Tennessee, who only scored seven points. <laughs> it, was, it was Buffalo who did all the heavy lifting in that game, scoring, what, 41 points yes, to did. put that game over the total by either a half or a full one point. Um, the Titans were only held to 187 yards of offense versus Buffalo last week. That's not a good sign heading into this particular week. And talk about also not having a good sign. The fact that this Raiders team passed for less than 50 yards in the second half of last week's shocking home loss to the uh, Arizona Cardinals. In regards to the series, these teams, teams they usually play each other oh, every other year or so, the last five meetings have gone one, three, and one over under. 
Even more important, the average combined points in those games, only 37.4. So when we see a line somewhere in the neighborhood of 45, and we see the recent series below 40, that has us leaning under in this particular game. Uh, we've got the fact that the I've done some database querying and that the Raiders are off that home favorite loss against Arizona. This has gone 0-8 over under in the last three years from the database. Road favorites in the NFL off a non-division home loss of five or greater in a game in which they were favored by five or greater. I call it a 5-5 query. And the over-under in these games must be 43 or more. But again, they've gone zero overs and eight unders. The uh, fact that the the Titans are off that blow-off loss against Buffalo, 41-7. Another good under scenario here, NFL teams off a straight-up loss in which they scored 10 or less points but allowed 40 or more points, like the Titans. These games have gone 4-16 and 16 over under in the last four years. They've got, they went 1-6 and six over under just last season. So you got a couple of pertinent database situations that do lean on this game under the total. We know that the uh, Raiders' best under numbers over the last three or four years have definitely been when they are on the road. The Raiders won eight and one over under now their last 10 road games when the over under line is less than 47 points. Meanwhile, dating back to last season, nine out of the last 11 Tennessee home games have also gone under the total, including 0 and six over under in their last six home games. We're not going to buck that. We're not going to fade that. We're going to go under the total. You know, neither quarterback is ranked in the top half of the league in quarterback rating either. Tannehill, number 17, at only 48.3 rating. And Carr is surprising number 21 out of all starting quarterbacks with a quarterback rating of only 40.6. Again, Mark, the key to this is getting a line of 45 and a half or higher. At that line, for us, it's going to be a small play on under the total. However, if the line changes, if it goes down any further, we're going to pass in the game. But for now, at 45 and a half, we think it's worthy of a play on the under as the Titans host the Raiders. It's all about the numbers, guys, when it comes to handicapping, especially over under totals. Victor says 45 and a half is your number. If you see it, he'll go under as a small play in the contest. If you don't see it, sit back and watch the football game and wait till next week. As far as these two teams go, we talked about the fact that these were two playoff teams last year who have opened up the season 0-2 straight up and against the spread in their first two football games. Taking a look at the Raiders coming into the contest here, they've struggled, if you will, against teams out of the AFC South. The last five times they played them, they've only won one football game straight up in those last five battles. They're also struggling in games number three of the football season They've won only one of the last six years straight up and lost the money all six times. Now, here come the Tennessee Titans home after that disastrous blowout loss against the Buffalo Bills, where the Tennessee Titans also lost their home opener to begin the season this year. I put that in the database, and what did I find? Tennessee at home off a previous home loss the last 13 times, 10-3 and three straight up and 8-4 and four against the spread. You can also put a 4-1 and one to the spread in that number when they're coming off a loss. Mike Vrabel, their head coach, has been terrific as an underdog in his career with this football program. 21 and 12 to the spread taking points and 6 and 1 when his football team has a losing record. Also out of the well-oiled machine comes the fact that 0 and 2 playoff teams last year that are dogs in game number 3 taking on an opponent off a loss, they're 10 and 4 against the spread. So, if I put this question to Dr. Jennifer Melfi, the psychiatrist from the Sopranos, and I asked her which psyche is most vulnerable in this football game after being embarrassed in the way they have in these two contests coming in. I think this is what she would tell me. She would say it's difficult for a first-year head coach in the National Football League to make adjustments early on in the season like week number three. That's what you've got with Josh McDaniels, whereas Mike Vrabel was the NFL coach of the year in the National Football League last year. A lot of people don't realize that, but he was the coach of the year 
I see Vrabel making the adjustments in this game, and I see Tennessee bouncing back and winning this football game comfortably against the Raiders. I'll back the Tennessee Titans for my side in this football game. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And thanks a lot, Dr. Jennifer Melfi. I appreciate that advice as well. With that, let's hop out to Las Vegas now. It's time for our Vegas Vibe segment. We're going to tune with our good friend Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, as he always does to get the vibe in Vegas. Andy, how are you doing this week, and how was your week last week? Well, Mark, I think it was an interesting week. It was a struggle on Saturday, but uh, got it all back and then a little bit more on uh, on Sunday. So I had a good week in the NFL, not as good a week in the colleges, but it was reflected in the way that my selections, my plays were distributed because I didn't have anything strong in the colleges last week. Everything was sort of a, a mediocre average type play, whereas there were a number of games in the NFL that I liked quite a bit and uh, all but one of them came through. So I was pleased overall with the weekend. I'd have liked it to have been a little bit more evenly spread out, but well, we'll have that opportunity this week. I think uh, this is the last, uh, well, basically we've got mostly conference games this week in college football and of course in the NFL which, which means for, makes for more attractive matchups with a lot of these rivalries uh, both uh, regional and within conferences and in the NFL as you pointed out in your segments we've got a lot of 0-2 teams whose seasons I'm not going to say are on the line but we do have the 17-game schedule instead of the 16-game schedule but it's still going to be a challenge to overcome an 0-3 start and in fact the game that you just talked about Tennessee versus the Raiders is one of those games where you've got a pick pair of 0-2 teams uh, uh, doing battle against each other. So it's an interesting week in the NFL as well as in college football and uh, can't wait for kickoff. Well, Andy, there's that slight, uh, slightest of possibilities that this football game between the Raiders and the Titans could play to a tie and they'll both be 0-2-1 after week number three. <laughs> so I guess we could dismiss the fact that one of these teams is going to be 0-3. Still a big, big hill to have to climb for any team that's 0-3 in the National Football League. As you mentioned earlier on in the show, I don't know if you caught it, but since 1990, 157 teams have started 0-3, and only four of them have gone on to make the playoffs. So big, big telling week this week in the National Football League for a yeah, lot the, of the only The only thing with that stat is keep in mind that we only had the uh, – uh, the six wild cards instead of the eight wild cards that we have now, Good point. Good uh, point. where we've got 14 playoff teams instead of 12. But even if you factor that in, uh, for a, even in a 16-game schedule, four out of 20-something uh, you know, years, is still, or almost 30 years, actually, is a very, very small percentage. It may go up only slightly for an 0-3 team. A few more invites will be passed out this year for the National Football League playoffs than in years past, for sure about that. How about the contest last week in Las Vegas, Andy? I know the first week we talked about uh, how the rug got pulled out on over half of the pool in the survivor pool in the circuit contest. But overall, how did you see the contest shaking out? Was it a, a good week or a bad week overall for the players? Uh, well, I'll, I'll reflect that in the consensus. I'll start with the contest that I neglected last week, and that's the Golden Nugget contest because that's the one contest that combines both college and pro football. So it attracts a lot of sharp college football handicappers. Only 128 are in this year's contest, each putting up $1,000 for uh, going to the prize pool. Uh, and through the first two weeks, which is 14, seven selections a week, uh, 14 uh, picks overall. One contestant is at 12 and two. Nobody is at 11 and three. There are eight at 10 and four and another 14 at uh, nine and five. So uh, 23 of the 128, about a sixth of the contest, uh, roughly uh, at nine and five or better. And then I'm going to go over to the super contest, which has declined in participation over the last few years to the extent that the Super Contest Gold, which normally has about 120 to 150 contestants, that's the $5,000 entry fee, winner take all, that was down to uh, 80 this year. The classic Super Contest, which had approached 2,000, I think, at its peak, and then COVID got in and Circa came in with competition, they still had about 1,600 entrants this year, 1,598 to be specific. And looking at the consensus, which is a good idea of how the contestants uh, overall have fared 
last week. Coming into this week, the consensus had been three and two in the uh, Super Contest Classic. This week, they went three and two again, so I'd have to say overall they had a good week. Uh, The uh, top play uh, was New Orleans, which was one of the point spread losers. The number three selection in the Super Contest consensus was Cincinnati. That one also a loss of the spread, but picks two, four, and five, New England, Green Bay, and Jacksonville were the winners. So the contest uh, this year, the consensus in the Super Contest Classic, six and four, a solid three and two for each of the first two weeks. Looking at the standings, two of the sixteen of the 1,598 contestants are a perfect 10 and 0 after two weeks, which is... Considering all the upsets and crazy results we had in these first two weeks, is pretty uh, pretty astounding. But not probably not statistically out of the realm of possibility with 1,600 uh, contestants. 28 are nine and one, and another 99 are eight and two. So overall, about 10% of the field, a bit under 10% of the field, eight and two or better as we uh, start the season. And just a, a quick uh, recap of the Super Contest Gold uh, that with the 80 contestants. The consensus went four and two in week one as there was a tie for the fifth most popular selection. Uh, This week, the consensus went three and two. So for the year, seven and four on the contestants. Uh, The the number of the consensus plays not nearly as significant with only 80 participants and uh, uh, five selections each. Standings are worth following. The one contestant uh, went nine and one in the first two weeks. Uh, Seven more contestants went eight and two and 15 are seven and three through two weeks. Now to uh, what's become the biggest and the most popular contest in town, the Circa Survivor and the Circa Million. And you asked about the Circa Million where more than half the field, I think it was 56 or 57% of the 6,133 entries uh, were eliminated in week one. Uh, That left 2,685 contestants uh, alive into week two. So uh, that basically 32, 33% of the field still remaining, which uh, means that over two-thirds of the entries have already been eliminated as 673 of the uh, 2685 were eliminated. Uh, the biggest team to uh, cause the uh, entries to fall, or the, the, the alive entries to fall, uh, the Cleveland Browns were on 358 tickets. They fell. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, again, another play, another straight-up play that made sense before the contest. 192 were on the Bengals at Dallas. Bengals, of course, lost. And the third uh, next one to fall, the Raiders, with that uh, unbelievable collapse against the Cardinals. 77 were on the Raiders. And then and there were uh, five more teams that had a collective 12 entries missed. And surprisingly, there were, there were 21 entries that did not submit a selection. And uh, by definition and by default, they were eliminated. So 2,012 entries out of the original 6133 remain. Interestingly, of the top five selections, four of them advanced. Denver had the most with 869 followed by San Francisco. The number three selection was Cleveland. That one lost. The Rams and Green Bay rounded out the top five. So the top of the contest did pretty well with four of the five selections advancing. And remember, this is a straight-up contest, and you cannot use a selected team more than once, which is why only five people played Baltimore in week two when they got eliminated by the Dolphins. And they were, I think, about 1,600 uh, uh, at on the Ravens in week one when they advanced with their win over the Jets. So uh, going to shape up as a very interesting contest. The first uh, two years of the contest saw uh, a number of entries go perfect through uh, what were 20 weeks or 19 weeks in uh, in 2020 and uh, 20 weeks because they, uh, in 2021, because of uh, two parts to the Thanksgiving holiday week and two parts last year and this year again to the Christmas uh, week. We had, I think, 35 or 36 go perfect two years ago. We had only five go perfect in 2021. And with uh, two-thirds of the field eliminated, uh, there's a good chance we won't uh, see more than maybe two or three this year. But there are a lot of sharp people out there who put up their $1,000. I can't consider myself sharp because uh, I got eliminated in week one with the uh, ball the more Ravens, but an interesting contest that has grown in popularity. They guaranteed $6 million 
uh, to the first place, uh, well, to the only winner or the, those who tied. And it took a while, but they got over the $6 million guarantee with uh, 6133 entries. Not quite as fortunate as far as the Circa Millions, which also ga uh, guarantees a $6 million prize pool, $1 million going to the winner. And then there are various in-season contests along the way, and that pays down 100 places. They needed 6,000 entries uh, to uh, meet their guarantee, but only got 4691, so about a $1.3 million overlay being contributed by Derek Stevens and the uh, uh, Circa Group to the pool. But uh, I would think they're getting probably that money's worth out of the publicity that this contest has garnered uh, over the past, uh, uh, well, now fourth year, it's fourth year of existence. Looking at the Circa Millions, as I mentioned, 4691 uh, with a number of entries, the consensus in week one went three and two. This week, it also went three and two, and the selections were very similar to the selections in the uh, in the Westgate contest, the top five selections, although with different degrees of popularity. Jacksonville was the number one pick in the Circa Millions contest. That was a winner, as were New England, the fourth most popular pick, and Green Bay, the fifth most popular pick. The two losers on the card, similar to the Westgate, Cincinnati, the second most popular pick and new orleans the third most popular pick so that consensus now stands at six and four on the season also back to back three and two weeks uh, looking at the standings in the circa million uh, through the first 10 picks 15 con contestants are perfect 10 and 0 wow. another 85 are nine and one 320 are eight and two and 624 are seven and three. So uh, you're looking at uh, roughly a, a thousand contestants or about a little bit under a, a quarter of the, a little bit under 25%, between 20 and 25% of the field hitting seven and three, 70% or better through the first two weeks. That's a rundown of what's going on in Las Vegas from the major contest from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, before I get to your complimentary play on the show this week, I'm going to run this by Victor because Victor has mentioned to you before in the past about a lack of a contest with over-under totals. And the reason I'm mentioning that is I'm noticing more and more how totals are becoming very, very in-stream, in vogue when it comes to handicapping both college and pro football. Victor, you want to run that question by Andy one more time to see if his his opinion on that might have changed any at all? <laughs> I know. I usually ask Andy this question at least once a year. And again, I, I, I kind of learned my lesson when I got into one of the major con uh, uh, contests two years ago and didn't do particularly well. But again, I would be the first guy in line for any sort of major contest that focuses exclusively on NFL over-unders. I see no reason or no justification based on the fact when your play's got to be in or anything like that that would take me away from such a contest. And I still don't understand, Andy, why they don't have one. Well, I think there are several reasons. One is that, in general, betting on totals is not nearly as popular as betting on sides. Number two, there's also great volatility in the movements of totals as compared to uh, sides. And that's one of the reasons why the one contest that did have NFL totals, uh, actually NFL and college totals, was the Golden Nugget for uh, several years. They had both college Sides and totals and right. pro sides and totals. What was happening, the contest lines came out on Wednesday. And there was a lot of movement, much more movement in the totals than in the side. Most of the side movement occurred early or very, very late after the deadline, whereas a lot of the college totals, because they did, because the contest line didn't come out until Wednesday, uh, would move significantly between then and kickoff, especially due to weather concerns as we got later into the season. And what they found out was that most of the people who were playing totals were playing solely on the lines moves, more so in the colleges than in the pros. For example, if a Syracuse-Rutgers game contest line was 52, and by the time the submission deadline uh, on Friday evenings was, let's say, 49 and a half, they'd play under the 52. 
two because of taking advantage. You don't see, let's say, between Wednesday afternoon and Friday evening, a two and a half point move routinely occur when playing sides. So I would tend to agree with you, Victor, that if it's certainly if they kept NFL totals in the contest where there's not as much late movement, at least prior to the 24 hours before kickoff, which is beyond the deadline. You know, you look at the Westgate, you look at the circuit, their deadlines in the past had been on Friday. They, they are now on Saturday. So you still have plenty of time for the lines to move afterward. If they included NFL totals as part of that contest, I could certainly justify that the quote unquote handicappers edge by playing the lines moves moves in the contest would not be as great as far as an NFL uh, totals only contest that would be an interesting contest to have but again when you consider the public at large and the composition of the contest popularity I don't know if they would have as many entries in such a contest as they would like to justify for running the contest that's probably reason number one not enough interest I agree yeah I, I there, there are a lot of us who would love to do that but again uh, we, we we can't unless we create our own contest. We may have to wait for one of the big properties to come along. And I wouldn't be surprised, especially with the increased popularity of of uh, not just nationwide but worldwide betting on football, especially the NFL and to a certain extent colleges as well. At some of these faraway places, or even some of these places across the U.S., who are always looking for new opportunities to give uh, the wagering public or the contest playing public more options, if someone might come up with such a contest within the next two to three years. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And if you haven't checked out Andy's newsletter, I invite you to put it in your hands this football season. For information on subscribing, simply log on to TheLogicalApproach.com and check out all the winning information Andy makes available each and every week. And with that, Andy, we're going to look at your complimentary play on the football card this week. I know our listeners would love to know what you have on tap. Well, we were successful last week in the most unlikely way with the Arizona Cardinals, but then again, that also made up for my loss earlier in the day on the Baltimore Ravens, as those were very similarly typed uh, uh, type games, maybe unfolding a little bit differently, but uh, they say things even out. They rarely do, but for me, they did last week. Uh, I'm going to go to the game this week, the divisional matchup in the NFC South between Carolina and New Orleans. Uh, Carolina comes in 0-2. The Saints had that comeback win against Atlanta before losing late at home uh, to Tampa Bay in a game that was very difficult to watch, 3-3 into the uh, fourth quarter. Uh, But both of Carolina's line, and in this game, uh, New Orleans a three-point road favorite. Uh, both of Carolina losses, however, uh, have been decided in the final minutes, uh, losing to Cleveland and, uh, and to the uh, to the Giants. That one-point loss to Cleveland in the opener, where they rallied to come back but couldn't hold off the Browns on that final field goal drive. And then uh, when they had their opportunity in the final minutes but couldn't get that field goal that would have uh, sent the game most likely into overtime against the Giants. Saints 1-1, one one, but the offense, uh, they seem to have clearly shown uh, the, the, the effects of losing both uh, quarterback Drew Brees and Coach Sean Payton over the last few years. The offense has not been as fluid, as productive as we had uh, become accustomed to seeing. Uh, The limited uh, availability of uh, Kamara, who's nursing a a rib injury, and as we uh, record this podcast, he's still listed as questionable uh, after uh, playing uh, modestly in in, uh, game number one. Uh, That's also not not helped uh, the uh, cause of the uh, New Orleans Saints. Uh, New Orleans has had dominated this series. In fact, between 2017 and 2020, they'd won seven of eight games between the two division rivals. However, last year, the team split uh, each winning at home, including Carolina early in the season, uh, winning uh, on their home field 26 to seven. Neither team has been profitable this year, uh, as you might expect, uh, a combined 0-4 against the spread. Uh, Carolina succeeds uh, when running back McCaffrey uh, is healthy. He's missed a good part of the past two seasons, and that's reflected uh, or largely responsible for Carolina's 5-12 and 12 record last year, 5-11 and 11, uh, the year before. But in his first two games this year, he's averaged 5.4 yards per carry on a, a modest 25 rushes. So he's uh, certainly showing signs that he's back in health, and he's a vital part of the offense as he places less pressure on uh, quarterback Mayfield to produce once that running game uh, is being established. And Carolina still has a very solid defense. Uh, They've allowed uh, in the first two games 
4.3 yards per play, which is uh, which is excellent. Uh, Jameis Winston, the Saints quarterback, uh, I've always liked him. He's a smart uh, kid. You know, he had a chance to go to Stanford before uh, he opted elsewhere. Uh, but he's been sacked 10 times already this year through three interceptions last week. I like Carolina to get the straight-up win this week. So I'll gladly take the three points that is largely available. And I'll also throw in uh, a partial money line play as well as I think the Panthers get their first win this week in a favorable situation. Andy Isco on the Carolina Panthers with an interesting note about Jameis Winston nearly going to Stanford. Does that mean, Andy, that Stanford didn't quite have a big enough uh, lobster tail? And I don't remember the sequencing, but I don't recall if he may have played at the same. Maybe he came a little bit later than uh, someone named Andrew Luck, who, but for that injury, would Probably. be uh, in the um, peak of uh, what uh, was a shaping up as an outstanding career. <laughs> well, with that, we're going to thank Andy Esco for a great segment on the show. Once again, this week, the contest review is complimentary plays. And once again, I encourage all of our viewers out there and listeners to log on at thelogicalapproach.com for more information about Andy's weekly services. Until next week, Andy, I'm going to wish you the very best of luck and may the ball bounce your way this week. I appreciate that, Mark, both you, Victor, and all of our listeners uh, slash viewers. Uh, may the, you also get the best bounces and maybe just some outstanding handicapping of playing where bounces don't come into play. Thank you much. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. We're going to move on to our final segment to close out the show. Two features on this segment, my awesome angle of the week. And Dick and I are going to share with you our complimentary plays as well. Let's get to what it is that I love doing the most, our awesome angle of the week on the football show this week. This comes again directly from the Playbook Football Newsletter from a feature we call the Smart Box. Inside the newsletter where we share and uh, divulge some handicapping secrets, this week it's called Four on the Floor. And what we look to do is to play against any college football home team in game four that's off their first loss of the season if they allowed 35 or more points in the loss and they're taking on a conference opponent that's off a loss of more than 21 points. The combination of these four in the four plays, by fading these teams, we've gone 25 and 10 against the spread in this role since 1980. This week we'll be playing against the Auburn Tigers and play on Missouri as Brian Harson continues to struggle. He's only 2-7 and seven to the spread as a home favorite off a loss anyway. We'll play Missouri for our awesome angle play on the show this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap this week. And Victor, if you would, let our listeners know all about the Total Tip Sheet football newsletter as well. Sure, we could definitely do that, Mark. You know, another college football over the total on national TV that will be available on Friday at the playbooksports.com website as we look to continue our 80% against the spread college football over under record. We're going to keep that going. That will be available on Saturday along with our NFL over under selections. And, you know, Mark, we record the podcast on Wednesday afternoons. And while we were just recording the podcast, we just received issue number one of the Playbook Midweek Alert newsletter. Nice. What, do you, what do you know? This is the first week in which all three newsletters are in place. And, of course, that will be the procedure until the end of the football regular season. I don't have a color copy of the Midweek Alert, but you can definitely check it out at playbook.com. You can also check out this week's Playbook football newsletter for $12, 18 pages of information, six best bet upset game of the week as well. That's on the back page that I can't show you, but that's what you want to look for for $12, along with issue number three, Mark, of the Playbook Totals Tip Sheet newsletter. As, yeah, another doggy bailout. The dogs bailed us out again last week. Again, uh, Tuco gunning for another team total over the total. And the fact that Monkey, our other dog, is actually gunning for 10 straight under winners in a row, dating back to last season. So check it out. It's newsletter, Nirvana time, playbook midweek alert, playbook football newsletter, and the playbook totals tip sheet newsletter. And with that said, we're going to go and piggyback Andy's play for our free play of the week. And it is also in that same game, New Orleans against Carolina. You know, on a side note, you know, there's plenty of good seafood 
in New Orleans as well, Mark. You yeah. were talking about Jameis Winston and the fact that he loves his seafood and he loves his five-finger discount at public <laughs> grocery stores and their seafood department. But New Orleans is a melting pot of cuisine, fantastic French food, Caribbean food, African food, Spanish food, and a ton of seafood. So I'm sure he's enjoying uh, his time down there in the Big Easy for sure. But again, now that the Saints and the and the Panthers game has crossed over, or what I should say, under the key line of 41, we're going to take the value and play this game actually over the total. That's the Saints and the Panthers. It opened at 42 and a half. It's gone down two full points. The last time I looked, it was at 40 and a half. And again, that's your target number. If it gets to 41, we don't play it. If it stays at 40 and a half or less, we make a small play on the over in this particular game. And we're tying that into the fact that the International Series is finally back. You know, there, there were no international games played in 2020 because of COVID. And there were only two games in the 2021 season. But they're finally back. The International Series is back with a full complement of five games for the 2022 season uh, in the NFL. Very exciting. It comes up next week, October 2nd. Minnesota Vikings are playing these Saints at the uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. October 9th, Giants and the Packers at the same site. October 30th, Denver versus Jacksonville at Wembley Stadium. November 13th, Seattle Seahawks, Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first ever game in Germany. And on November 21st, San Francisco versus Arizona will be playing in Mexico. So that means the first of these games is next week. And that plays into what has been a really solid over the total pattern. 52 and 23 and 2 over under in our database. That's 52 overs, only 23 unders, 69% over the total. And it's basically any team in the NFL the week before a neutral site regular season game when the over-under line is in the reasonable range of 50 or less points. It applies to Minnesota, who plays Detroit this week. It also applies to this particular game, the Saints and Panthers. We're kicking the Minnesota-Detroit game out because the over-under line on that one is way too high for my liking, 52.5 to 53. Plus, that doesn't put that game qualifying in the system anyway. But it does put the Saints and Panthers over the total in a 69% over the total pattern. And that's all time in our database. And one more final note, you know, with New Orleans playing the role of the road favorite in this game and the fact that it's a low-lined over-under game, in the last three years in the NFL, division games in which the road team is favored by three or more, like the Saints, who are now laying three, and the over-under line is a low, 42 or less points. These games have gone 11 overs, only one under in the last three years. It's almost similar to what we just touched on at the top of the show right. in regards to the college football. So we put it all together. The same thing happens in the NFL. You want to make sure it's a division game. The road team is favored by a field goal or more, and it's a low over-under line. It gives us value on the over. And again, make sure that your line on this game is 40 and a half or less points. So just in case it falls right on 41, we cash a winner. Saints Panthers over the total. You got a big one in college football this week, don't you, Mark? I do, Victor. Before I get there, you mentioned that total of 41, and it stirs up some memories for me in the past. And I'm going to share those with our listeners out there real quickly, if I may. Uh, it was in 2005, I was participating in the Stardust Invitational Contest in Las Vegas, and we were down to the finals. It was Steve Fezzik and myself for the cheese. And it had to be a seven-pick contest using National Football League teams and totals. And Steve Fezzik is a very, very astute and sharp handicapper, and he's all yes. about advantage playing in good numbers. So it gets down to those final seven games, and I know the way Steve Fezzik handicaps and I knew I looked at scour the card and I looked for every game that would present advantage or value that Steve Fezzik would be looking at. And one of those games happened to be the Cleveland Pittsburgh 
Steelers-Browns game with a total of 41 points. Well, the game pointed uh, really strongly to the under as a handicap, and because the 41 was out there that day of the contest, I submitted that play, he submitted that play. Hence, we squashed out on the game. We also squashed out as it was on three other games, so we ended up only having three picks against each other, so it ended up being a three-pick contest. By the grace of God, I won two of those three, and he didn't. So <laughs> that's what the <laughs> one means to me, Victor. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But as you mentioned here, coming into this week, our college football five-star game of the week goes this Saturday. We've done tremendously well with it in the past, 79-35, and 35, dating all the way back to 1990. Last year, September, five-star game of the month was Notre Dame. They were getting six and a half points against Wisconsin. And they blew the Badgers' doors off. They won the whole football game in straight-up fashion. You can get this five-star college football game of the month part of a $79 weekend of college and pro football winners from Saturday through Monday online at playbooksports.com or give my office a call toll-free. The number is 800-321-7777. Before I get to my complimentary play, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our friends at mybookie.ag are offering our listeners out there a double your first deposit bonus. All you need to do is log on at mybookie.ag, use the promo code playbook to become eligible for your double first deposit bonus at mybookie.ag. That's a great value they're offering. Take advantage of it this weekend. And with that, let's get to my complimentary play on the college football card this Saturday. I'm going to stay inside the Sun Belt Conference where the new kids on the block, the Dukes from James Madison, are taking on Appalachian State this weekend. The Dukes come in here as a former FCS powerhouse football team. They won two FCS championships in the previous six years. This is a football team that also leads the FBS this year in tackles for, for a loss. This football team is well-schooled, well-coached, and comes in hard and plays hard every football game. They're 2-0 to make their FBS debut. They've outscored their two opponents 107-14 to to start the football season. Appalachian State returns to the mountain here off that Hail Mary miracle win last week against Troy on the last play of the football game. It turns a loss into a win. Appalachian State's this year, their wins have been by three and four points. Their loss was by two points. They've been playing some very close football games. They're only one and eight to the spread. The apps are when they're a single-digit favorite. I'll play James Madison, the new kids in the block, plus the points for my complimentary play on the football card this weekend. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I'm going to thank Andy Isco for joining us from Las Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com. And for our good friend and co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, this is Mark Lawrence once again reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.